praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this time of fellowship with your word and with my brothers and sisters. Father, we pray that you would give us understanding. Father, we pray that you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, brothers and sisters, last time we were speaking about Christian growth stages. We mentioned that the growth stages are stages that the Lord put in place. He set them in place in his own wisdom. Other than Adam and Eve that came forth as full-grown individuals, every other person, even the Son of the Most High God himself, has had to come here as a baby and grow. So it is the wisdom of God. It is His unsearchable wisdom that has set these growth stages in place. So it's not to condemn anyone. It's not to put down anyone. It's not to... Well, I'm grown, you small, kind of thing. No. No. It's a study in this is where I am, this is where I should be in a short while, and that is where I should be at the end of the day. It's a roadmap, if you will. It's a pointer, if you will. Because like we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, verse 15, I'm sorry. That speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. May grow up into him. Grow up into. So that's the purpose of this walk through these Christian growth stages. Last time we dealt with babes in Christ. Some peculiar characteristics of babes in Christ. And today, by the mercies of God, we'll look quickly if we are able to add two other stages or one. And um, let's jump right into it um, quickly. We talk about babes in Christ as stage one and stage two. We're going to just call them little children. Uh, your stage one, you can picture an infant in diapers 
an infant in diapers, for example, just as a uh, word picture, if you will. And stage two, we're looking at little children. Um, as a word picture, you can you can th- you can think about a toddler and up, you know, trying to walk, walk, I should say, and trying to run, stumbling a little, but they are growing. Now, like we said last time, this labeling, if you will. It's not exclusive. It's not the only way you could look at these growth stages. Nobody has a patent on the Word of God. No. It's not the only way you can view growing in Christ. It's just a way of looking at it. So someone may have a different, quote-unquote, classification that's fine if there's scripture for it we can go with it so let's 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 look at little children the bible says in first john chapter 1 verse 8 to 10 first john chapter 1 verse 8 to 10 the apostle john states if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, chapter 2 of the same 1 John, verse 1, continues like this. My little children... These things write I unto you that we sin not. And if any man sin, we have an an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. This first chapter of 1 John doesn't end in verse 10. It continues in chapter 2 verse 1 like we just read now 1st John 2 verse 12 to 13 states this I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiving you for his name's sake I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. A couple of things 
uh, for us to look at here before before we move away from that briefly. The often quoted First John one eight nine and ten is addressed to little children in Christ. Let's read it again. First John one eight to ten. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Next verse, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write out unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Little children in Christ are still struggling with sin. For them to say they are without sin is like saying the toddler got up and ran and never fell. So he says, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. God says, I know where you are, Josh. Yeah, you are wearing diapers. Uh, I'm not trying to be gross, but a baby poops at will, just whenever. Then when you start to grow beyond that, you hear of party training. Being party trained doesn't mean there are no mess ups before you get fully party trained. So my little children, uh, if you say well, no accident happened. That's a lie. Because I know where you are. Don't forget, the process is set of God. Meaning, he has created a pathway for growth. He didn't create the sin in the pathway. Let's not conflict or mix up those issues. He knows the pathway exists because he put the pathway there. He doesn't make us full grown men and women the day we were born, after nine months. No. You start as a baby. Then you grow. First John, but he before he leaves first John one eight to ten before he leaves that issue alone uh, before well let me put it this way 
I want us to get the contrast. The woman that was caught in adultery came, was brought to Jesus, and the woman knew, and the people that brought her knew, and Jesus knew that she committed adultery. Let's leave the issue about where was the guy and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Let's leave that alone. That's not the point here. She knew and he knew and they knew that she committed adultery. If she had said she didn't commit adultery, she would be deceiving herself. But in that context, that was not the point. The point is that Jesus said, where are your accusers? Says, Lord, there's none. Then he said, go and sin no more. That's the point. He knew where she was at. She, he knew what stage she was in. So first John chapter one verse ten often quoted I'm sorry, verse eight and verse ten is I hear it a lot. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse ten. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit does not stop there. It moves right away to the next verse and says, My little children, these things right out unto you that you sin not. Hold on. The same guy that said, well, when I say God, I'm talking about John the Apostle now, just to put a face on it, is the Holy Spirit speaking through him and God speaking through the Spirit. The same writer that said, if you say you have no sin, you are deceiving yourself. If you say you have not sinned, you're making God a liar. But if you confess your sin, sandwiched between those two verses in verse 9, it's, it's going to forgive you and cleanse you. Then what I would label verse 11, which is the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, he now says, do not sin. <laughs> Do you get that? If you say you have no sin, you're lying. If you say you have not sinned, you're making him a liar. But do not sin. I know where you are. I know where you've been. But this is where you should be going. Do you get that, beloved? Oh, well, I'll leave that alone for now. And verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 13 of First John chapter 2, we, we previously read, it says, Little children, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 12 says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 
the little children have known the Father. But they're not out of the woods yet. Galatians 4 verse 19. The scripture says, Paul states, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until what? Christ be formed in you. They are in Christ. But Christ is not yet formed in them. We have a reverse picture in the Old Testament where the Israelites left Egypt and came to the Promised Land physically, but their hearts were still in Egypt. Egypt was still in them. Now we have a situation where God has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, into Christ. But that Christ that they are translated or we have been translated into has to be formed in us. Has to be formed in us. So we see that with little children they are still grappling with the issue of sin. Don't forget the base we talked about last time could not or cannot skillfully handle the word of righteousness. We have received the righteousness of Christ. But because they can't handle that word, that concept, skillfully, the Bible says, they are skillful in the word of righteousness. There's a lot of mishandling, misconception, Jaded, one-sided views, incomplete understanding of righteousness. Yes, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, that's one facet of righteousness. There are other facets of righteousness. But we'll talk about that some other time, God willing. But the little child in Christ is still grappling with this. But God knows where we are. And before he leaves where we are, he says this is where we ought to be. 
It says, I write unto you, little children, that you sin not. Absolute. Sin not. I know you're sinning now, but I'm writing to you so that you sin not. Yeah, I know you're in pre-K right now, but I know you can get to your PhD. It may look far to you, but I know you can. I know you can do it. Let me not run ahead of myself. Little children. What can we make of this? Little children may still be struggling with sin. They are in Christ, but Christ is not fully formed in them yet. Because they believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they are in Christ and have overcome every spirit that confesses otherwise. We see that in 1 John 4, verse 1 to 5. Verse 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You have God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They believe in Christ. They believe he has come in the flesh. That gives them the place to overcome every contrary spirit. Struggling with sin is still a feature of this growth stage. But our Father tells us at the same place that ye sin not. Now, let, let, me, let me hurry along. Oh, time flies. Our third group we want to look at is well you can call them young men or women you can call them youth you 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 can for a word picture you can think about you know your vibrant youth you know muscles strong young men young women Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. It says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 14, 1 John 2, 14. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from, from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because... Listen now, ye are strong. Characteristic 
of this stage of Christian growth. Ye are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. It says you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. The word of God is in you. Psalm 119, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 119, verse 1 to 3 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, N-O, no iniquity. They walk in his ways. First of all, verse 1 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. I hope you know that the way is a person. John 14 verse 6, Jesus said unto him, John 14 verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am the way. Psalm 119 verse 1 again, blessed are the undefiled in the way. They are in the way and they are not defiled in the way. Psalm 119 verse 9. Because how is this possible? To be undefiled in the way. We read how that is, we read a part of that. In First John, probably makes some more sense now. First John chapter two. I'm sorry, chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Don't forget, we're already in Him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He says, By taking heed thereto according to your word. The word is a cleanser. The word, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. Because the word of God will cleanse you. In Ephesians 5, verse 26, it says that he may sanctify and cleanse it 
with the washing of water by the word. So, back to the question, Psalm 119 verse 9, how shall a young man cleanse his way? It's by the word. Ephesians 5.26 But where is the access to the word? To cleanse his way. Psalm 119 verse 11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God in the heart of the young man is a defense. It's an umpire. It's a cleanser. It's a reservoir. It's a source of strength. It's a flusher, cleansing, sanctifying, detoxifying. Hmm. Psalm 71 verse 17 the Bible says O God thou hast taught me from my youth don't forget don't forget 1 John chapter 2 verse 14 key characteristic of the young man of the youth 1 John 2 14 they are strong. It's not their own strength, of course. Their strength is in the Lord. And the Bible says, And the word of God abides in them. Then we find, as we just read, the word of God abides in them because Psalm 119 verse 11, they took the word and hid it in their heart. The babe is unskillful in that. The little child is starting to understand that. The young man has taken that and put it in his heart, has internalized it, has put that word in his heart, has hidden it in his heart. You know, when you hide something, other folks can't get it out. <laughs> uh, when you hide, thank you, Jesus, when you hide the word of God in your heart, tribulation can find that word to steal it. So we see here, again, Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart, where it cannot be stolen, that I might not sin against you. So when Joseph hid God's word in his heart, temptation from his master's wife could not steal that word. When Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego hid God's word in their heart, influences around them could not go and steal that word and make them seedless because when the seed is in there that seed will sustain you 
because that seed is the word of God. Incorruptible word of God. We are still talking about youth in Christ. Youth in Christ. We read, uh, read it again to, for continuity's sake. Psalm 71 verse 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. As a youth, understanding is coming in now. Light is shining forth on the inside. Thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Lamentations 3 verse 27. Talking about youth in Christ. Lamentation 3 verse 27. It says, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let's read that again. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. What yoke? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Uh, I thought you wanted to give me rest. Yes. <laughs> so why am I picking up a yoke? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lamentation 3.27 did not say it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his infancy. He can't bear a yoke. You can't put a yoke on a baby. You can't. Can bear it. But a young man, yes. A youth, yes. The young man has come to understand that there is not nothing like absolute freedom. That's a different topic, but it's important here. Because sin comes principally from disobedience. Disobedience comes from not recognizing or accepting the Lordship the commandments, the authority of another, that another being Christ. 
you can't sin by obedience. You can't sin by obeying God. It's not possible. We sin by disobeying God. And disobedience principally comes from we wanting to do what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it, if we want to do it. I'm free. It's my life. I want to do what I want. But if you are yoked, you are not free. Let me say that again. If you are yoked, you don't do what you want to do, when you want to do, how you want to do it. No, 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 no. You go where the yoke leads you to go. When we're without Christ, we were yoked, although we didn't know it. Some knew, but I'm guessing most didn't. When we were without Christ, we were yoked with the devil. That's why the scripture says, the anointing of Christ breaks the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. We're going to read that in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, not the Lord's burden, that's the enemy's burden, shall be taken away from off your shoulder, and his yoke, that's the enemy's yoke, not the Lord's yoke, from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So here comes our Savior. Let me say that again. Here comes our Savior that saved us from our sins and the power of the enemy. And he removes the burden of the enemy from our shoulder. And he removes the yoke. Because the yoke joins two persons together. That's what the yoke does. The Lord, our Savior, removes the enemy's yoke from our neck. Then he destroys the yoke by his anointing. After he does that, he doesn't let us go yokeless. Because no such person exists. Jesus said, when the enemy is driven out and the house is clean, there's nothing in it. The enemy is going to go and come back with seven other demons worse than himself. Because you cannot have a landlordless house. We are houses. 
You cannot have a person that has no Lord over him. It's not possible. Luke eleven twenty four to 26. It's our reference there. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. When he comes, he finds his swept and garnished. Then he goes and takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last of the man is worse than the first. If the enemy had a wooden yoke on a person, and he was broken, and if the person has no yoke on them, the enemy goes and comes back with a worse yoke, cast iron, something, steel. But Jesus said, like we just read, take my yoke, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Because when we're not yoked with the Lord, his own yoke. Uh, it's easy. His burden is light. Even Jesus was not yokeless. He bore a burden too. Isaiah says, and the burden shall be upon his shoulder. Jesus says, I don't say anything or do anything except what I see my father do. Jesus says, not my will, but thine will be done. The young man in Christ gets it. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. So he bears the burden. He bears the yoke of Christ. The word of God abides in him. So we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says, Let no man despise thy youth. Thy youth, talking to Timothy, who was apparently a young man physically, but he applies in the spiritual context also. He says this, let no man, First Timothy four twelve. let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be an example of believers. The youth be an example of believers. Be an example of believers. Be an example of believers. How believers ought to live. Yes, a, a, a baby in diapers is a human being. You can't take that from them. But ought everyone poop at will? Ought everyone throw up at will? Is that an example of decent human living? The young man in Christ, the youth in Christ, is an example in word. The babe is not skillful in the word of righteousness. The 
young man in Christ is an example in conversation, in lifestyle. He's an example in charity. He's an example in the spirit. The babes are not, they're carnal. Carnality and spirituality are opposites. No, but the young man is an example in spirit. The babe is not. He's an example in the flesh. It's an example in carnality. And you, we, we both know that the scripture says to be carnally minded is death. The babe is a Christian, but he can't stay a babe. Oh, well. My time is gone again. Beloved, may the Lord give you more understanding by himself in Jesus' name. Till next time, God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All the 